year. You know we gotta have a feel-good tone on here, y'all. And it's only fitting because the gospel is the ground and the reason for our joy. Not our performance or our circumstances, but the unchanging person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's get in it. Yeah. Welcome to Christ the Center. This is now episode number 300. We are ecstatic to be online, to be recording. We have an awesome episode lined up for you today. My name is Camden Busey. I'm the pastor of Hope Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. Listen to this. We have with us Nick Batzig, church planter in Richmond Hill, Georgia, at New Covenant Presbyterian Church. Welcome back to the program, Nick. It's great to have you. Thanks, Camden. Good to be on. I think you guys cut me out of episode 100 and 200, so I'm just thankful I got into 300. <laughs> well, this is the first uh, even 100 that we haven't done in person, so we're uh, more able to uh, to have you online. So it's great to have you, number 300. Uh, thanks for joining us. You've been with us for a long, long time. We also have with us Jared Oliphant, who is regional coordinator for Westminster Theological Seminary, working out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome back, Jared. It's great to have you on again. Thanks, Camden. Could be on 300. I was on 100, not 200, so I guess I'll see y'all at 500. <laughs> Every other. Yeah. yeah, and I know your father was upset that he's not booked for number 300, but we got him on 295. <laughs> if you round it, you know, he's rounded up to 300. That worked. But, <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully uh, we don't get ourselves into trouble. I don't think we will. We've got an awesome episode lined up for you today. Unprecedented episode, and I'm honestly, uh, I mean this with all my heart, so excited to have on a spectacular guest. We were welcoming to the program for the very first time, Timothy Brindle from Lamp Mode Recordings. He's a Christian hip-hop artist. He's also a student at Westminster Theological Seminary studying theology. Welcome to the program, Timothy. It's awesome to have you with us today. Thanks so much. I'm so honored to be a part of the program in light of how blessed I've been by Reform Forum. So... Well, thank you. It's it's a it's a great to have you with us. We're looking forward to talking about Christian hip hop. We're talking about the form. We're talking about the history. We're going to be looking into tracks and playing clips from tracks, and uh, hopefully, going to expose uh, this awesome music to many of our listeners who I'm sure haven't heard much of it. But I know there are listeners out there that are excited as well, and uh, they're looking forward to this interview, and we're going to get to these things in a moment. But before we do so, we got some news. Uh, Nick, we got something lined up in November? Yeah, just a reminder that the um, Evangelical Theological Society annual meeting is going to be November 19th through 21st, and the, the theme of that um, program is uh, Evangelicalism Inerrancy and the Evangelical Theological Society Retrospect and Prospect. And so I think that's, I think it's going to be maybe second only in importance to the justification one they had a few years ago. Probably one a lot of our listeners would want to go to. A lot of my friends are going to be there. Jared, you're going to be there. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and just great talks. Um, to cover just such a important issue, inerrancy and the church, an issue that's you know really been battled back and forth, even in our day continues to be. So I want to encourage our listeners, if you can get to Baltimore, November 20, 19th through 21st, um, I think that'll be a really great meeting. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. A lot of people we know, uh, people in our circles that'll be there speaking, but also uh, listening, going from session to session. So check it out. Uh, ETSjets.org, I believe, is a website. You can find out more information about the conference there and also subscribe to the journal. It's a good thing to do. 
Well, I also do need to mention that Christ the Center is listener-supported. We do rely on the generous support of all of our listeners to help us to produce and distribute all of our programs free of charge. We love doing it, but we need your help to be able to do it week in and week out. So visit us online today at reformedforum.org slash donate. We really encourage you to sign up for a monthly plan. If you could do 5 or $10 a month, uh, something as little as 5 bucks a month is a huge factor and helps us to pay and cover our costs. It also helps us to pay our, our backstage editors editor, uh, Joel, who who puts a lot of these episodes together and puts them online. Uh, but we need some more support so we can do more of that stuff and also get into some other projects. Visit us online, reformedforum.org slash donate. We thank you so much of your support of our organization, Reformed Forum, and this particular program, Christ the Center. Well, guys, this, again, I've said is episode 300. Christ the Center was first released January 25th, 2008. That was episode one. It uh, was on the New Testament's use of the Old Testament. It is available. It is online. Every single one of our 300 episodes are online, including all of our episodes of Reform Media Review, East of Eden, Proclaiming Christ, Philosophy for Theologians, all of our other programs. We've been able to do so many episodes in five-plus years and I'm delighted that we're able to continue that today, uh, but also to do something that we've never done before, and that's talk about Christian hip-hop. I do also should mention that I've been debating on zipping up all the Christ the Center episodes into one fat zip file that's probably six gigabytes. I might do that and then post a link to it online, because I know some people would like to download the whole archive. Those early episodes are rough. Uh, I mean, I listen to them and cringe just because of the quality and the, you know, we've grown a <laughs> lot over the years just in, be, in being able to do these things, not saying we're excellent at it right now, but uh, you know, comparing episode 300 to episode one is almost night and day. But nevertheless, the material's rich and I think is still useful. And I know people like to go back in the archives sometimes and uh, dig up some of these episodes, but it's a pain to download each one by hand. So if I zip them up, I think that might be useful. I would imagine there might be a handful of people that would want to download them that way. So I'll try to do that. I would, Camden, myself. Okay. <laughs> and just to cut in, I'll, uh, me and Jonathan Brack will put in a word with the registrar's office to see if it can be approved for uh, students to get 10 credit hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm all for that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what department it would be in, but <laughs> we could definitely try it out. Uh, yeah, it'll be a giant download, so we'll fi- we'll figure out a way to do it technologically that won't cost us a fortune. Um, but we'll we'll get it done. Uh, but even in that giant archive of hours and hours and hours of material, uh, you're not going to find something like this when we're talking about Christian hip hop, and that's to our shame. Uh, but we're doing it now, and uh, we're going to be opening up this topic in a rich, rich way. Did you guys see in Christianity Today, maybe a couple months ago, that Russell Moore had a cover piece on the Christian hip-hop movement? Yeah, definitely. That made the rounds. Wasn't it great? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Timothy was mentioned. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of people mentioned, but I thought it was a good... um, Yeah, it got a lot of exposure to the topic for audiences who may not be aware of what's been going on for quite a while now. Yeah. Well, I I read that in the Wheaton Library, the Wheaton public library. So, uh, you know, I was sitting around and, and it was great to hear the names that I had become familiar with, although I hadn't been familiar with uh, much of the music. So we'll get into that today. Let's start, uh, Timothy, with some of your background. I'd love to share some of your biography with our listeners. Can you tell us a bit about your history, your musical background, and maybe even your spiritual background, how you came to know the Lord? Sure, absolutely. 
Yeah, so I, uh, growing up in the city of Pittsburgh, um, was exposed to hip-hop culture um, at an early age. And in high school, um, I began um, rhyming um, and throughout the program, just for folks that aren't quite as familiar, we'll be, I guess, using synonyms, <laughs> rhyming, rapping, spitting, um, but I, but maybe rhyming and rapping are the easiest. Um <laughs> Yeah, I started uh, doing battle rhyming um, in high school, and I kind of had an advantage, though. I was, you know, um, you know, a Caucasian. Uh, well, I'm still Caucasian, um, <laughs> though, though a Caucasian, you know, skinny guy with glasses. I didn't really look like a rapper, right. so uh, my 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 MC name was Ambush uh, because it was kind of a surprise to folks. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So was in a, a group um with four other guys at the time in pittsburgh in high school and um it was very arrogant very self-glorifying um and basically the goal was to um you know show up the other person and and uh do your best to show yourself to be superior to them lyrically in a clever way you know to get the crowd uh excited and react so um, we, we were recording at the time, too, and that was one of the driving motives for coming to Philadelphia to Temple University um, for college, because not only was it an in-state school, but there was a big underground hip-hop scene, um, and I got connected with some other artists at Temple, still an unbeliever, uh, not knowing the Lord, and mm-hmm. um, started kind of making a little name for ourselves, uh, kind of like the Tower of Babel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this was before, I mean, what year was this? I would imagine, was it before Eminem had become popular? And so you're kind of breaking some ground yourself? It was kind of um, before and around that time. Yeah. So I graduated from high school in 99 and was already doing um, doing the underground hip-hop stuff in Pittsburgh. And around that time, I think Eminem became pretty well-known in the underground. He okay. got really popular in the commercial scene, uh, probably you know, late nineties. Yeah. Early two thousands. Yeah. But before that he was an underground legend. I mean, with just Mm. his, um, his punchlines and his battle rhymes and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I love Genesis 50, 20, uh, what, what I meant for evil, God Mm. meant for good because I came to Philly to pursue the underground hip hop and did it. Um, and you know, put out, um, vinyls and some records, which was a big deal for, uh, underground guys. It shows in New York and um, Providence and um, kind of up and down the East Coast. But in the midst of that, the Lord was really at work just to bring me low uh, and humble me and bring me to himself. So that happened a week before 9-11. Wow. Um, yeah, through reading the book of Luke and being brought very low in the midst of, you know, some of my uh, different addictions with drugs and, and other uh, sins and um, the Lord just really used that to bring me to an end of myself, and I turned uh, to Christ by His sovereign grace uh, through reading the Book of Luke. Um, and the Lord was very gracious. Uh, I was I was at not the healthiest church um, in Philadelphia, and about five weeks into uh, my salvation, um, the Lord sent a wonderful brother in the Lord named Shai Lin into my life mm-hmm. uh, through a. Um, a mutual friend and shy just with a, a really shepherd heart um you know it was just very compassionate and encouraging and said hey let's get together and get into the word each week um and i'll never forget the first passage he taught me was second 
Timothy 3, 16, all scriptures God breathed. Uh, and then he showed me Luke 24, all of the Bible is about Jesus Christ. And then we started getting into Romans each week. And um, eventually that the fruit of our Roman study became, you know, kind of the, the content of my first album, Christian hip hop album in 2003 called The Great Awakening. Um, so that's kind of a, a brief uh, musical slash spiritual history there. Yeah. We both joined um, Christ Liberation Fellowship, which was a church plan of 10th Pres. He was at 10th Presbyterian Church at the time when we met. We were both worshiping there for a little bit. And then uh, Christ Liberation Fellowship, pastored by Lance Lewis, um, who talks on some of the albums. Yeah. Um, he, he was pastoring uh, a, a church in West Philly around 2001, 2002. Shai and I joined there and was there for uh, about the last 10 years until recently switching over to Tim Whitmer's church. Mm-hmm. Um, Professor Tim Whitmer here at what, uh, Westminster Pastors Crossroads Community Church, another PCA church. So. Yeah. So, Tim, I don't want to di- digress from um, kind of the spiritual awakening and, and your conversion and all that. But, you know, I've listened to you and I've listened to Shy for years and very thankful for both of your music. And obviously, you know, I like it because it's rich in truth and and God has gifted both of you guys to communicate truth very, very, very well and creatively. But, you know, I had, I was converted at 24 and I had a past of drugs and lots of rebellion. At like 13, I'd gotten into hip hop and, mm. you know, listened to a lot of different music. Got it. I think Tribe Called Quest was the first um, kind of, I don't know if that'd be hip hop or whatnot, that I actually yeah. was very young and I thought, man, this is amazing. And then, you know, through yeah, that's high school, pure, that's as pure hip hop as it gets. Well, I like I like them. I loved Common Sense. I guess he goes yeah. by Common now. I was really into Common. I um, listened to a lot of Beastie Boys, a lot of Tupac, a lot of um, uh, uh, Wu Tang, some Wu Tang, and the different yeah. members. So, listen to a, a broad variety of hip hop music, and there's a lot of rap I couldn't stand. So I knew even when I was listening to stuff back then, there was something about certain styles I liked and something I didn't. And so when I listened to you and Shy, there's almost a jazzier feel to some of your music. And I was yeah, I just yeah. wanted to know like who had you been influenced, not to promote secular hip hop right. artists, but obviously you've been influenced by guys. Who who musically and stylistically were you influenced by? Yeah. Yeah, everyone you mentioned. <laughs> um not to mention guys, um, a, a crew called Organized Confusion. Um, I had, had an MC named Pharaoh Monch. Uh, the Roots, yeah, oh, Black yeah. Thought sure, and the sure. Roots, yeah, Philly, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Rockus Records was an underground independent label from New York City. Um, kind of in '98, '99, um, they had first come out. So a lot of those guys that were a lot more underground. Um, a group, group, called, group called Company Flow. Um, Most Def and Talib Kweli, they had a yeah. group together called Black Star, was into them. And, um, yeah. Yeah. and then just some various uh, underground, more battle um, MCs, um, guys that ne- maybe didn't even put out um, projects, but they were just kind of known in the underground battle circuits. Uh, a guy named Many Styles from New York and um, a, a fellow Temple student named Subconscious subcon um so yeah so those are some definitely some of the same influences definitely grew up on wu-tang clan um and 
but yeah, that grimy underground East Coast sound um, definitely yeah. was kind of what um, we're real was real into, and even like you had said, plenty of rap um, didn't like, and we would even you know talk about uh, that in our songs about um, how how whack all of that rap is. So, <laughs> well, and it's and it's very different. I think a lot of our listeners will not be aware, and the reason I ask the question is. There's definitely stylistic differences oh, sure. even in the holy hip hop movement right. where, you know, you listen to Hazakim or um, any of the guys even that you record on the same labels with or other, you know, sister labels. Um, there's, a, there's a huge spectrum. So when people talk about hip hop or rap, it, it sometimes gets conflated as if it's just monolithic. Could you just briefly right. talk about that? Yeah, you're right. There's various almost sub-genres um, or, or categories or, um, you know, different kinds. Or you can almost, you know, you think of it kind of like a different dialect um, uh -huh. or different sounds within the broader um, genre uh, or, or, or culture of, of hip-hop. And um, I think it's, 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 it's wonderful. The Lord uses that um, in the same way that there are many different body parts uh, many different members, yet one body. Um, when it comes to Christian hip-hop, um, I think the Lord really uses that since many of the listeners are influenced uh, or, you know, um, interested in maybe one genre more than in one aspect of, of hip-hop more than another. So you have a lot of guys that make more of a Midwest or a down-south sound um, or maybe more of a commercial sound. And I think the Lord uses that to meet people that are that are more influenced by that um sure. and definitely um you know guys like you mentioned and myself have just kind of maybe stuck more to the roots that that we grew up or or came up in and some guys branch out and try different things for me i just can't really seem to to get real comfortable doing more of that mainstream sound um but the lord you know he still uses that um although it isn't my favorite preference. And, yeah. and I think many guys would probably say the same, vice versa. Uh, some of the, some wonderful brothers who the Lord uses to do Christian hip-hop aren't quite as into maybe the, the East Coast or the underground sound. And, um, right. So yeah, good, right. good question. So many people would be looking at this movement, and, and especially the guys that are on your label, Lamp Mode. We'll talk about them in a minute, but... Um, how did many of these hip hop artists become interested in Reformed theology? Was it primarily through Tenth Presbyterian Church, or was there a greater and broader influence that brought you not only into uh, the Christian fold, into the family of God, but specifically into more of a confessional environment? Yeah, great question. Um, earlier, earliest on in Lamp Mode's history um, goes, in one sense, back even before salvation. The owner of uh, Lamp Mode, Joshua Wan, a.k.a. DJ Essence, um, who's an avid Reformed Forum listener, um, was really excited about me being on here. He's a member of Covenant Fellowship now, um, but uh, Josh Wan and I were recording my secular solo album in 2001, um, the Ambush the Animated album, uh, which got interrupted by uh, Regeneration, uh, by My Salvation. Um, and what was amazing is that I was in Philly at the time. He was in Pittsburgh area, but the Lord used that uh, to bring him to Christ. The Lord had already been pursuing him. Um, 
irresistibly, obviously. And and Josh, um, you know, was was regenerated, and he uh, moved to Philadelphia to start Lamp Mode Recordings. Um, and at that time, Shy was discipling me, and we started making. I, I had stopped rhyming kind of altogether at first when I became a believer. I had nothing edifying to say, <laughs> um, but as the Lord renewed my mind and put His His Word of Truth in me, um, you know, when I began writing several months later. Um, that's when, when, when Christ was coming out. But anyway, um, shy at the time, me and him were making music together and doing Christian hip hop, um, at our church at a, at a, a monthly worship service slash outreach that pastor Lance Lewis would let us do. And we get to share a message each month, um, which was some of the earliest preaching experiences, which would be very interesting to listen to. Some of them <laughs> were, uh, 60 to 90 minute. Uh, sermons with no <laughs> points, <laughs> no sermon points. Anyone <laughs> fall out of that. a window? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, but anyway, so then Shy kind of came on board with Lamp Mode early in that stage too. So at first it was just him and I, but definitely in meeting him um, and his influence by Dr. James Boyce um, and then Phil Riken, and he was under at 10th, and then being a, members of that PCA church, Christ Liberation Fellowship. Um, so all of this reformed theology that Shai was already getting grounded in and that he was, you know, pouring into my life, um, in, in going through the word, this definitely influenced our music. Um, so we were really the only lamp mode artists at first. And then throughout the years, um, Josh Wan, DJ Essence, the owner of lamp mode has done a great job to kind of expand lamp mode, um, to more guys like Stephen, the Levite, yeah. um, from a group called Redeemed Thought at the time, um, and then um, some other artists um, like Hazakim, and that's what's kind of neat about Lamp Mode. It isn't just um, solely reformed guys uh, in the sense that you know Hazakim has more of a, um, a definitely a Christ-centered background, but these brothers come from a, a Messianic Christian um, background, so right. maybe a little more dispensational. Nevertheless, they love the Lord and. Um, and very Christ-centered. Yeah, um, it comes through in the in the music for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, guys like Jason, who has maybe even more of a Midwest sound, is very good at what he does. And then um, God's servant um, Brian Davis, who just finished his internship at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, um, Mark Devers Church, where Shylin has been for several years now, who also did that internship. Um, and then uh, mo- most recently, a brother named Esso. Um, who is from London, a Nigerian brother from London, um, oh, wow. reformed brother from out there. So yeah, kind of a, uh, a variety uh, of different guys, but who are all centered on, on, on Christ, uh-huh. um, in, in the music. So I know I have one of the albums here in front of me, the collective and you've, that's Timothy Brindle, Stephen, the Levite and uh, Zeta blacksmith. And, nice. uh, I'm loving a lot of the tracks on this album. This one I play mm-hmm. yeah. more, more often than not. Um, oh. so I'd encourage people on that. That's obviously from lamp mode. Uh, we'll, we'll include clips of this in the, uh, in the episode you're listening to. So you probably have heard some already. I'm, you know, doing this eschatologically, <laughs> putting the music in after the fact. <laughs> um, Timothy, why don't you tell us, um, a bit about your, your, um, your seminary education. Um, we've gotten a background on lamp mode and the history of the movement. Some of the other guys that are in it, what brought you to Westminster and what are your plans uh, now and how do those relate to your musical career? What a great question. 
Oh man, I praise the Lord that I'm here at Westminster, and um, it's definitely God's kindness that I'm here in His providence. Um, we used to just, you know, Shy and I, we used to come up to Westminster's campus when there was a library um, up here, uh, where, when there was a bookstore rather, and we'd be like, "Wow, we're on Westminster's campus." <laughs> We would just, you know, pack our backpacks with uh, with doctrine uh, if we had enough money. I did you know, that take too. The bus up here. <laughs> yeah, um, and just to actually become a student was was amazing. Yeah. It all started um, after finishing at Temple with the education degree and teaching in the city of Philly for several years. I then moved into the social work field uh, and kind of the mental health field, um, and I became very just discontent with obviously the secular mental health models, um, the secular counseling and psychology models and being a social worker in North Philly and seeing how ineffective, uh, you know, these secular models were and yet being a believer and knowing that my clients can only change, um, by, by the, the grace of Christ in the gospel and knowing that their deepest issues were, were their sin issues, um, which, you know, speaking of uh, Westminster, the wonderful class, Theology and Secular Psychology, that David Powelson teaches, really gets at that. I was really discontent with, you know, trying to go to somewhere like a secular school and get a master's in social work. So I began looking into biblical counseling programs. And when I saw that Westminster had one, I was already very familiar with CCEF and um, had read how people change and been very benefited, very benefited from a lot of the CCEF material. Um it was a no-brainer that this was the place to try to go. So at first, I started out um, in the Masters of Arts Biblical Counseling um, program, mm-hmm. and I think Jared was one of the admissions guys at the t- uh, who 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 got me in. So <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure how problem, much to pay them off to get me in. But, did you uh, rhyme your your admissions essay? I did not. I actually <laughs> wasn't sure how much to even include that I was doing hip hop. Yeah. Um, but at the if time, I was I smart, I would have had you rap and then Jonathan breakdance on top of it. But pop I wasn't lock. thinking ahead. Yeah, pop and lock. Exactly. Or Deuterobrack could pop and lock too. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I was just really excited and somewhat surprised to get in. Um, but it was interesting. It was in Doug Green's Old Testament biblical theology class, um, which as a Master's of Arts course, Master's of Arts counseling course, he does an overview of a survey of the Old Testament, and it was my first real in-depth exposure of um, understanding um, Christ, the, the Old Testament as the story, the unfolding story of Christ, and my influence to Voss um, and Stephen Dempster's book. Um, is it a Dominion and Dynasty? Yeah, he just does a wonderful job showing the kingdom of God, um, beginning with King Adam in the garden, and and that unfolding throughout. And, and you know fulfilled in in Christ the Son of David, so it was in that class where where as I'm just being my you know my world is being changed and learning how to read the Psalms as as Christ as the speaker, um, and and now when I read you know already reading the Psalms daily, um, now seeing them as Christ's prayers you know to the Father um, who would rescue him from death. And that now when I read the Psalms, I'm praying them through my union with Christ. Mm-hmm. And this has just been so life-changing for my wife and I. I thought, man, I cannot have this be my only Old Testament biblical theology class. I got to get into the MDiv program. So my wife and, and Pastor Lance really amen that. And um, I moved into the MDiv um, spring 2012 uh, MDiv counseling program. And then more recently, 
moved into the MDiv general program yeah. um, as uh, through the the mentor ministry requirements here needing to do um, you know four hundred mentor ministry in the church mm-hmm. right um, did a, pre- a preaching internship last year which uh, or earlier on in this year as well really strengthened a sense of call to the preaching ministry so now I'm going more in that direction by the grace of God amen amen well. You know, it was interesting how all this timed out because we don't have to go into this too much, but we've talked a little bit about the history of the hip-hop movement and um, a cross-movement rapper, Brady Goodwin, who's known as Fanatic, came in about the same time. And um, do you want to give listeners a sense of um, where cross-movement fit in your own history and, um, you know, how you've talked to Brady a little bit about being a musician and a student at the same time. It was just an interesting parallel that was going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Brady has been such an encouragement to me and such an example to other guys in the Christian hip hop culture um, and in urban church, um, just as an example of someone who sees the kingdom of God and, and calling and ministry is so much bigger than just hip hop um, after. And this guy has, probably been a part of 10 albums uh, I, I lost track both in his group the cross movement um which started in the mid 90s um and his solo stuff um but him and his his heart for apologetics in book writing and, and doing um mentorship and discipleship with urban um teens um yeah he's just been a great example of someone who sees growing in the lord and pursuing calling as something bigger than just doing christian hip-hop um, and it was wonderful to start here at the same time. I didn't, we, neither of us knew it. We bumped into each other at orientation. We're so thrilled. Yeah. Fanatic is a, is a legend. I mean, when it comes to Christian hip hop, he is just a legend, him and the other cross movement guys, the ambassador, um, and the tonic and true life. Um, and, and, uh, a few of the other cross movement guys, they were really trailblazers of Christian hip hop. Um, when me and Shailin were dead in our sins and unbelievers, these guys were really um, blazing trails in the church um, for doing Christ-centered hip-hop for evangelism, um, mainly as a means of evangelism. I think Shai really helped branch uh, out to, 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 to doing it even more didactically. I'm using it to, to build up believers and edify believers and actually teach doctrine. It's not that the cross movement wasn't doing that, but their focus was more on evangelism and urban missions. So, yeah, w- when I became a believer, um, I had just assumed all Christian hip hop was whack, as most people probably do. <laughs> um, and Shy, who was already a believer in doing some Christian hip hop, convinced me otherwise when I heard him um, rhyme about the exalted King Jesus Christ uh, in his rhymes and do it well. And then he said, Hey, listen to these guys, the cross movement. Mm. And, and I was amazed at how um, clearly and powerfully and, and in such an excellent way, they were proclaiming Christ as King and savior through their music. Um, so they really did blaze the trails for Christ centered hip hop or holy hip hop. Um, and, and, yeah, and they mm. continue to do, to make music up to more recently, and I think Fanatic's main focus now is, is not only doing ministry with the youth, um, but, but book writing and um, pursuing teaching ministry within the church, and he's really excited to be here at Westminster. So. 
I think that's a great transition into talking about hip hop as a form for communicating the gospel. Uh, yeah. Ken Myers, who's a who's a, a great uh, servant, somebody who's done just tremendous amount of work of, of integrating Christianity with culture and, and talking about those things. He's uh he's the guy behind the Mars Hill Audio Program, but he recently mm-hmm. argued. Um, that the form of hip-hop music is ill-suited for communicating the full range, at least, of the biblical message. Um, right. At least in my my understanding of his, of his criticism, he would say that while it may communicate anger and wrath well, those kinds of things, he seemed to argue that it is deficient for communicating grace, for instance, and other aspects of the biblical message that are important when we're teaching and when we're proclaiming the truth. What are your thoughts on hip-hop as a form, and how would you respond to this criticism in particular? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's it's very. Um, in many ways, it makes sense um, in the sense that hip hop has been used uh, in so many uh, evil ways, and it's hard to think that it, as a music form or as a culture, is redeemable. Um, so I, I think that's somewhat understandable. And his arguments aren't really new. There's been other guys in the past um, that have made some of the same challenges and had some of the same concerns in the past though they may, may might have had different grounds um and so i think uh it's interesting though uh i didn't seem to be very redeemable either in the deadness of my sin <laughs> and yet um is christ the resurrector i think maybe it's 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 a misunderstanding of what is uh redemption um, in, in, in a biblical theology way and understanding redemptive history and what is Christ's intent uh, and what does it mean that that in, in the cross he's restored all things or he's redeemed all things or reconciled all things um, to himself, that Colossians 1 language. And I think it's it, it, interesting maybe um, response to some of those thoughts that namely, uh, if I can summarize it, um, this brother in the Lord says, Hip-hop as a form really can't be used to communicate um, um, Christ in the gospel. Is that correct? Roughly speaking, I don't want to uh, okay. oversimplify it, but right. that seems right. to be the at least the full range of of the truth that's contained in Scripture and, and right. revealed in Scripture. Yeah. yeah. I think usually when people make those arguments, they usually haven't heard um, mm. a, a lot right. of Christ in hip-hop yeah. yet. Right, exactly. Um, but even if they have— uh, it's interesting reading Voss's book, Biblical Theology. He does a wonderful job in showing uh, the contrast in Genesis 4 between you know, the line of Seth and uh, the line of Cain. Voss just makes a really good point in his Biblical Theology book. That many of the things that are emphasized in Cain's lines are cultural things. And in particular, um, in Genesis 4, uh, 21, there's, it mentions Jubal, who's the father of all, who played the liar in the pipe. Yeah. So most likely Jubal being in the fallen line of Cain was probably not using the liar in the pipe to the glory of God. <laughs> um, as, as it's clear later on in you know, Genesis 11, that some of these same cultural or, or things like instruments and cities are, you know, are used for, for the glory of self. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really interesting is we find in the Psalms in some of those, um, you know, instructions in the beginning of, of certain Psalms, it says to the lyre player, to the player of the lyre, to the player of the flute or the harp or the pipe. So I just see really interesting that the Lord in even in in, um, in Davidic 
psalmetry is there's clearly some form of redemption of culture, some form of redemption of music, where these same instruments that were were probably uh, used for uh, lack of better language, secular music, yeah. um, not glorifying Yahweh, are now being used um, in in the service uh, of worshiping the the true and living God um, in 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 Davidic worship and in the midst of uh, the Levitical priesthood and I think it's just a, a rich picture that the, the issue wasn't necessarily the form of music, right? Um, as the sound of uh, of the and, and who's the, but who's doing it and how are they doing it? The the manner mm-hmm. in which and the heart from which they they right. do these cultural pursuits. That's right. And yeah. what is the content? It's it's the mm-hmm. glory of the Lord. Um, so in the same way, I think that's just a good picture that um, a musical medium like hip hop, which which can be selfishly sinfully used. For the glory of man can also be redeemed and restored and reconciled back to Christ so that now you have um, generate believers uh, proclaiming him uh, over uh, hip hop beats. Um, And I don't think it's different than any other form of music that is used uh, in that sense for the glory of God. I think that's that's really helpful the way that you put that because the word you know redeeming culture gets thrown around there as a as a phrase that gets used indiscriminately. But I think the way you've alluded is the fact that this redemption happens through the regenerating work of the Spirit in the lives of people, and their souls are redeemed. But then those redeemed souls go on in their cultural pursuits seeking to glorify God, and there are forms that can be used uh, in those in service of that greater pursuit. I think that's a better way to think about this, you know, in terms of redemption and cultural pursuits. I appreciate the way you've talked about it. Nick, did you have something? Yeah, Tim, I want to put a couple things out and just get your feedback on thoughts I've had over the years. And one is kind of following up on what you said about, you know, the descendants of Cain creating instruments and then them being used in the temple. It's interesting in Psalm 8-1 and Psalm 81-1 and 84-1, it says that those psalms were to be played on the instrument of Gath. And that, that's a Philistine instrument. Mm. And David wow. had fled into the lands of the Philistines. And I have looked for 10 years. For a gaff? And you haven't found not, one? Not for, not for a gaff, <laughs> although that would be cool to have one because then I get to brag about it. But um, I've looked for 10 years. I read as a young Christian somebody who argued for the redemption of um, styles of music that were pagan in their roots based on that principle that David went and fled to the Philistines and would have learned their musical styles. And at least we know he brought back their instrument, which is very mm-hmm. fascinating. Um, the what other great thing, and I don't know, you could press that too far maybe. The other thing I've thought about too is hip-hop is in one sense – at least from my understanding of scripture, more Hebraic or Aramaic than Greek in the sense that when you look at how the Psalms are written, there's all kinds of mnemonic devices. There's more an element of rhyming and poetry. And that was the form that God um, ordained for his people to memorize the scripture. Their songbook, you know, in some sense, it seems to me would have maybe seemed more like hip hop I want to be careful with that, you know, anachronistically imposing that. Then what we think about with Western music, we're so cultured, we're so, our minds are so bound to, to, you know, we've grown up thinking church music, and there is sacred music, but that it has to take this westernized form that's a product of the Reformation and, and a very, you know, um, British, 
very high society form of culture out of which it came. And I love our hymns. I mean, we use a hymn book in worship. I'll never get rid of our hymn book. Um, I love the corporateness of singing it. And and you can't sing hip-hop corporately, and I think that makes people maybe uncomfortable. But, you know, there's something about hip-hop that is so unique where it lends itself to more verbal teaching, it seems to me, yes. it's closer to sermonic than even you get in the sermonic forms in great hymns, which, and they are like little sermons. <clears throat> and my buddy, Stephen Birch, he came out of the same background as kind of we did, very rebellious. And, and he got me into Christian hip hop. And, and I was very cautious getting back in because of my past. Right. And it was through cross movement. And then, you know, you guys, and Stephen called me up a few years ago because we had kids around the same time. And he said to me, he said, I've been taking like your stuff and Shai's stuff and I've been teaching my children theology and they get it because it rhymes. Wow, and I thought that's amazing. Um, so I wonder if people have just not seen the benefits yet practically. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? I think um, it is important to mention some of the limitations um, of hip-hop. And um, I myself love the hymns also. Um, I think when it comes to... Um, you know, there, there are certain aspects um, of hip-hop culture uh, that, you know, like all culture, um, you know, must be, um, must, uh, must be taken out or... or, or uh, not necessarily remain. Um, so there's certain aspects of hip hop culture that uh, are not necessarily uh, conducive to, or um, something that, that would be glor- glorifying to the Lord. You mm. know. Um, so there there are aspects, and I think that's why Camden mentioned it, it comes down to the transforming work of the Spirit in the believer in the person who uses it, mm-hmm. um, as it now can be uh, used to the glory of the Lord. Um, I would just say, yeah, I think it's really important even for hip-hoppers, Christian hip-hoppers, to see some of the limitations to it and not seek to insist that it take over as the only genre of music. Mm, Um, Right, right. And it's been interesting more recently, we've been um, doing something what I've kind of coined as hymn-hop. And basically what hymn-hop is, is is a, is a, a fusing, a, an infusing together of, of hymns and hip-hop. Um, so, for instance, uh, more recently on God's Servant, who's on late mode, he has a song called, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus, mm-hmm. where the, the chorus for the song um, is the hymn. And then myself and Shailen and God's Servant are expounding the hymn in, in our verses. So it kind nice. of has that... Um, that oracle didactic element um, where, uh, and then also the, the, uh, the participatory element where um, people can participate in singing the hymn for the chorus. So I think if we can do more things like that, that will also be helpful uh, as I think hip hop can definitely be used for worship. Um, and one way to do that is to have maybe a hymn chorus or a hymn verse in the middle where everyone sings. And then one of the benefits of hip hop is that it can uh, be used to expound scripture in a really ideal way that yeah. other forms of music aren't able to do quite do as it. well. Right. You yeah. can pack yeah. a lot of content into a hip hop song 
more so than maybe in like a contemporary worship song. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I was just uh, driving around last night with my wife after the evening service at our church, and we've been listening to these albums here and there, you know, together whenever we're in the car together. But um, we were just talking about the depth and the riches of the content in these albums and this form of hip hop lends itself to communicating much greater depth and theological truth than what I think anything in the CCM market can do. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. Many of the tracks on this album are, have greater theological breadth and depth than most of the hymns in our hymnals. There's such richness to this, especially biblically, theologically, and this form, I had just no idea that this form could be so conducive to communicating this theology in such a beautiful and rich and effective way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I think it's wonderful. But I think, Tim, that is, it is a good point that there are limitations and, um, and it's admirable that you, you know, would point those out and say, listen, you know, it's not the only medium and... Um, I, I had one just final question, you know, I've, I've heard people push back against holy hip hop because of the culture out of which, you know, um, the music comes and it's a very me centered culture. A friend of mine was kind of explaining this to me, why you, you have more propensity to almost superstardom, And then you have the temptations that come with that. Um, because hip hop is very me centered and now you guys are pushing against that and you're trying to be very God centered and it's a heightened sense where, yeah, you know, secular music is very me centered and, you know, a lot of it's just lame, but, but hip hop, the culture, the, the non sanctified culture, the pagan culture out of which it comes and Eminem is an extreme example. I mean, it is about who's the best. I'm the best. And could you talk about some of the. I was just going to say the genre lends itself too, right? Because if you contrast it with like a rock band, it's more of like a collective. There's a lead singer, but there's a lot more going on. If you think of like Led Zeppelin, there's a couple stars there. But with rap, it's like, hey, I'm I'm doing this on my own pretty much. And so it's not that it's valid to to think of yourself as a superstar, but um, there there is a basis, whereas in other genres, it may not be quite as heightened like that. Yeah, and I guess could you talk about the dangers in the hip hop world that you would say to your Christian brothers that you're with, you know, hey, we've got to watch out for this and really and how would you, you know, guard against some of the dangers that might come with it? Absolutely. What a good point. Um even for Christian hip hop artists who are Christ centered in content, um, it is so easy because of the deceitfulness and wickedness of our own hearts for uh, your motive to be self centered. Um, as Jared said, hip hop as um, an art, you know, it emphasizes uh, an MC um, or, or a rapper. He's on a stage, so the, he's he's kind of exalted, you know, physically, <laughs> literally there. Um, and I think as much as possible, being mindful of that is so important, lest um, we become, um, you know, in our motive. Uh, me centered and doing it for the glory of self and it is still a major challenge i think christian hip-hop is still in its earlier stages of growth and what does it mean to bring it under um the authority of the church and to have your pastors and, and shepherds and elders um overseeing you um in, in your usage of it um and making it maybe more ministry focused as opposed to just entertainment or or um although you know the some would, would say that it's artistic aspects that's very important in light of 
Christ being glorified and, and redemption of culture. But absolutely, there, there's a lot of distraction, even in Christian hip hop, um, and even being at the Legacy Conference with Jonathan Brack from Westminster and Jared, who we're on the phone with here. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just notice there is a lot of temptation uh, to, to, for the focus to be on the rapper himself. Um, and, and that's always a challenge. Um, now, I'm just grateful that the Lord has given me a wife and five children to help me realize my sinfulness, neediness, weakness, and to constantly um, humble me lest I think I'm something when I'm nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Timothy, could you, uh, I, well, I'd love for you just to speak about your use of your songs and your rhymes in evangelism. And Jared and I were privileged to witness this in action. They came out for the Legacy Conference in Chicago, which was held at Moody. They invited me down uh, for dinner, and, and I was very thankful, and I got to hang out with these guys and our friend Jonathan Brack and a bunch of prospective students down there on the North River District in Chicago, a really great place. And we were having dinner, and uh, we got talking to our waitress, Timothy was able to rhyme the gospel to her, and she was just astounded. She was floored, wasn't she, Jared? Yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) What a context. It was amazing, and uh, we got talking to her, and it came out that Timothy was a hip-hop artist, and and he was able to communicate the gospel in great depth. Yeah, that was from the Collective album, um, track one, called Bloodbath. The one who holds all atoms and matter together Who's in control of the patterns of weather Could snatch up your life and smash you forever Cause instead of God you prefer cash and sex bra So fasten in Mecca over Catholics Best up and all your best acts are ghastly They'll never pass on the standard he has as his measure You'll crack like a pretzel under his majesty's scepter But you treat him as trash as a blasphemous wrecker Spiritually inside you're the nastiest leper Cause the sin of your father Adam infests you It's spread through your heart like a rash when it festers but God, he's filled with compassion, however So he became man and he passed through our sector His precious blood that he splattered can cleanse ya He took God's wrath from his dad, he was severed Buried in the grave, but he had to just get her The king who died is the glad resurrector Run to him needy, as if a beggar You have to confess that you actually messed up So believe in him as your advocate, shepherd, master and treasure He'll capture, impress ya You'll live happily ever after with pleasure Forever, he's the main attraction and center Cannon! Josh Spear, the owner of Lamp Mode, Josh Wan, him and Zay, the blacksmith, who's also in um, collect- the collective, they went on a mission trip in Poland, in which they were able to use hip-hop um, as a part of kind of a, a mission tour, um, and it went very well, and they wanted to go back again this year, and yet it's very expensive you know, to go overseas, so we made the collective album as a means to raise funds to, to go to Europe. Um, it wasn't so much a tour, but more of a mission trip. Um, we went to UK, uh, Amsterdam, Poznan, Poland, um, Warsaw, Poland, and Paris. And um, in uh, 15 days, did about 14 events. Um, only about three or four of them were actual planned concerts. A lot of them were more outreach, uh, which kind of brings me to there's different you know, usages of Christian hip-hop, even in the kinds that, that I do. Yeah. where some is more evangelistic, where you are really engaging the listener who, who may be very likely could be an unbeliever. And in that sense, it's a blessing here learning covenantal apologetics, <laughs> um, where you can you know engage them on the reality that deep down they know God, yeah. they don't want Him. 
Um, yeah. And um, as Jared's father says, you know, uh, as one in Christ, inviting those in Adam to come back to the relationship that God's already established with them. Um, I found that to be very helpful when I was in um, Amsterdam. We, we met some some guys in their young 20s who were there and, um, and we were we were doing uh, kind of some outreach stuff in the park and got to talking to them. And they said, hey, we're here to be free to, to smoke as much marijuana as possible and do other things in Amsterdam uh, that you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and this guy had never read the Bible. He had never heard the gospel. But it was so helpful to know that this guy knows the living God and God's revealing himself to him, um, even right now. And yet he's suppressing that truth. And to really be able to bring that truth to him, both in, uh, in conversation, but then also in, a, in, a, in a, a form of music that he's very familiar with. And in light of Christ, um, and, you know, um, the Lord through Abraham uh, reaching all the nations, it's interesting that hip-hop is already international. So you already have a medium kind of laid out for you where we have people in Poland, uh, people in, in Paris, who, because we're doing hip-hop, they're listening. Mm-hmm. And then we're proclaiming Christ crucified and resurrected. And it's just a great way to meet them with the gospel. Mm-hmm. So it's a, um, you know, you can use it for evangelism or apologetics or maybe more polemic yeah. uh, forms. As Shailen recently put out a song called False Teachers, uh, kind of exposing uh, the health and wealth and prosperity gospel. But mostly we use it more didactically um, right. to, to teach scripture. And Shai's most recent album, wonderful album called Lyrical Theology, it's a very systematic album. But mm-hmm. right now I'm writing a biblical theology project um, inspired by guys like Greg Beale and Voss and, 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 and Gaffin and Tippin. That, that is so awesome. Let's talk about that in a minute. Let's first talk about the one that's already out here, the restoration. On the front, this is on the cover of the album. Uh, it's, it's in this great word art, awesome typography. The all-sufficiency of Christ in the gospel of grace to restore ruined sinners to himself for their joy and his glory. That's just rich, and that's just on the cover. Let's talk about some of the tracks here. The one, we're going to have a a link to a free download of this track, and it's one of my favorites, track number nine, The Daily Gospel. Tell us about that. Let's get in it, yeah. Yo, it's been a minute since I was spitting cause I was in a pit of sins. They asked him, what was your deliverance? I say, Christ died and rose 2,000 years ago. He gave to sin, death, and Satan the fiercest blow. So when the walk, it is tough and awfully rough and fallen and lost, I'm here to say, the gospel's enough. Tim, I thought the gospel's for missions. Yeah, but Romans 1.15, Paul wants to preach the gospel to Christians. So I say, Hosanna, I came to stand up and wave this banner. The gospel be my daily manner. It's not that I I gotta get saved daily, but it's strong encouragement. God will today embrace me. So I can from selfish pleasures turn to Christ, who's my righteousness I can never earn. It's more important than my poor performance. The only sure assurance that the Lord is for us. Cause Jesus is interceding for me now. So when God sees me, he's guaranteeing that he smiles. Christ is the guarantee. God's favors upon me by faith. And not and if yesterday it was godly shit. So no matter the circumstance. The cross is proof God's fabulous purpose stands. So the Father's covenant love, nothing can budge. It's as sure as the life of His Son who's above. Yo, it's the daily gospel, cause I need the gospel daily. I often waver, myself is awful shaky. But I see God's love at the cross so plainly. The gospel is the power of God to change it's me. It's the daily gospel, cause we need the gospel daily. We often waver, we know we're awful shaky. 
But in the gospel, I know he'll not forsake me. It's what fuels our love for you, God, to praise thee. As I apply the scripts, yo, That actually is the subtitle of the album. <laughs> yeah. You got a good old Puritan subtitle. It's about six lines long. That's what I was going for. It was supposed to be somewhat humorous, and yet we found that artist who could do word art so that it it wasn't too straining on the eye or the mind uh, to read. Yeah, the Daily Gospel song is a song that I really uh, wanted to make to, when we think of the gospel, many times we're we're speaking of uh, something that's maybe just used for missions or something that's used, especially in the broader evangelical church. The gospel is usually thought of something at an altar call or something for unbelievers to come to. But when it comes to believers, uh, the emphasis many times in broader evangelicalism, um, the emphasis is more on do, you know, do good, try harder, fight sin, be holy. Uh, so that the, 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 the driving motive behind the Daily Gospel song is to show that Paul in Romans 1 said he's eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome, and he's speaking to believers. And we have that wonderful epistle uh, where Paul is just fleshing out the gospel. And it was interesting, um, not only in the first verse, which is encouraging believers to look to the resurrected Christ as high priest, who is their right standing before the Father, and rest in that daily. But around the time I had heard Reformed Forum's wonderful series on union with Christ uh, with Lane Tipton, in which my whole soteriology was really um, just rocked in seeing how the gospel, not only historically is Christ crucified and raised, but when it comes to the believer, the gospel is by faith in Christ, we're united to him. So that he is our righteousness and he's our sanctification Mm -hmm. and he's our adoption and he's our suffering (laughs) Mm -hmm. and all these wonderful things. So the the second verse is really trying to show that connection between Romans 5 and 6 where you have, because I'm in Christ, now I'm justified, Romans 5, and the the dominion of of the reign of sin uh, or, or the guilt of sin is broken in Christ. But Romans 6, in Christ, I'm raised up as uh, one who's experienced definite or definitive sanctification, as Murray puts it. And now um, uh, the, the reign of the power of sin is broken. Uh, so I can, mm-hmm. I can change. Um, and and I'm, I'm dead to sin and alive to God through Christ, in Christ. Are you so hearing this on days. Christian radio, guys? Are you hearing this on Christian radio? No, no, no. <laughs> but Tim, this was in, this was in Let, uh, Killing Sin, though. You, have, you do have this theology in your older albums too, right? You know, the, the union with Christ theology and, and, and just a, a focus on the gospel is something that Shailen in, in his wonderful faithfulness to me as a brother and shepherd really instilled in me as we were going through Romans in our, in our Bible studies and yeah. Pastor Lance preaching through Romans expositionally and studying it. So these were things that in some way I was somewhat familiar with. And yet coming here, you, you get, you get, um, the, the, the fuller feast, uh, yeah. you, you get it more in depth. So absolutely, yeah. I would say my understanding of union with Christ uh, on the Killing Sin album, which was put out in 2005, um, w- was was more of an emphasis on Romans 6, um, but not really understanding that all of the benefits uh, of salvation flow out of our union with Christ. Yeah, yeah. Tipped in so nicely put it on Reform Forum. <laughs> yeah. And it's very, you know, the resurrection and redemption too, you know, thinking about the, the centrality of the resurrection, um, you know, for understanding our soteriology. Man, that's so rich. Tell us also about uh, track two here, which kind of takes into account your, 
your subtitle here, The All-Sufficiency of Christ, and it features Tony of Hazakim. Tell us about that track. It's one of my favorites. Check it out now. I'm asked by my peers, hey, where have you been the last five years? I say, buried in sin. I thought I was righteous, but that's a mirage. So God snatched off my mask and facade, exposing the true me. When you, the only one, showed me what you see. I was loathing this lewd scene, but it was only so you could show me your beauty. The beauty of your deep compassion for needy cats who are steeped in mad sin. But because of Jesus bleeding, gasping, now before God, my sin's completely absent. Because on the cross, it was like my hell. So now my righteousness is Christ himself. Because of the blood spill, your mountain of grace done smothered my dunghill. So what did God use to restore me? Why it was the truth of him glory Shining in the Son of God and on the fierce Most clearly seen and on the gospel of grace So what did God use to restore me? Why it was the truth of him glory Shining in the Son of God and on the fierce Most clearly seen and on the gospel of grace So you convinced that you Ruben? That song was really written out of my own um, Experiencing the all-sufficient grace of Christ not just again um, at, at conversion, but even in the midst of the walk and in the deep struggles with sin that, that I um, dealt with, that we all deal with, that Christ's grace um, in the gospel as the living, resurrected uh, high priest is sufficient for the most messed up, struggling, uh, discouraged believers, um, that they can look to him um, in in in. Uh, that the gospel of the glory of God's grace is shining in the person of Jesus in his face. Um, so that's really what that song was emphasizing, um, both in the first verse and sharing, you know, many people in the midst of my own uh, struggles with sin and, and, and in the midst of the walk and, 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 and challenges ask, well, what is it that the Lord really used? You know, did, did someone lay their hands on you at a service or, you know, did you experience some, some kind of second blessing, and, and it's no, it's the gospel, <laughs> continuing to, to turn to Christ uh, as as, uh, as my pardon, as my righteousness, as my death, and as my life. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first verse, and the second verse, really challenging the, the forms of, of secular psychology and, and the kind of the twelve step uh, programs. Yeah. Um, no offense to those who maybe go to some of those meetings. I know they can be useful for some folks, but they're in the gospel. Uh, we have the all-sufficient transformer, the one who is able to transform people with deep addictions. Um, and, and in verse 3, really um, trying to emphasize um, repenting daily, turning to Christ with that Hebrews 10 language, who has perfected me uh, once for all time and his once for all sacrifice. Resting in, 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 uh, in our justification um, in the midst of sanctification. You have a bunch of biblical, theological, you know, slash redemptive historical themes that come out in track 17. I, I hope this is kind of an anticipation of the project you're working on now. But let's uh, let's break this down uh, verse by verse. Uh, tell us to hear about the heart of Christ, uh, track 17, and especially start with the, the first verse here. The heart of Christ, the most beautiful thing, fully God, yet a human ruler and king, anointed in Davidic royalty. To the Father's glory, full committed loyalty, the real Torah, whose heart fulfilled the law. Loving man and for God, he's filled with awe. Our Adam heart is fallen in ruin. Behold the second Adam, the ultimate. 
ultimate human Cause in the garden he cling to Abba A bleeding heart of love he brings his father Cause his whole burnt offering is proper But for him, the cross is his altar Full submissive trust is his posture Trusting he'll be risen with kingly honor Come drink, don't think it cost ya Cause out of his heart flows springs of living water Oh, thanks so much. The first verse is really um, totally influenced by Doug Green's uh, Old Testament biblical theology, where he really shows Adam as a king um, in, in, in being created in God the King's image, Adam as a vice regent who God gave dominion to, and uh, so that the kingdom of God was in the garden. Um, and we know that after the fall, that 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 uh, sin, Satan, and death began to reign. Um, and we see that in Genesis 4, where the Lord says, Cain, sin's desire is, uh, you know, is to rule over you, but you must master it. Um, and, you know, as Paul would say in Romans 5, death reign. So really trying to emphasize that in Christ, we have the, this wonderful second Adam, Davidic king, uh, who rescues us from, from the dominion of sin. Um, and I think it was in Doug Green's class that I really learned Jesus uh, as as God man, but also as man, as true human, uh, the one who we see so beautifully in the Psalms uh, laid out, the one who uh, trusted God the Father um, with with faith in 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 in, in uh, the covenant of David promises that um, Father, you promised that you would resurrect um, David's son from the dead uh, to, to sit on the throne forever. So, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, um, trusting that the Father would raise him. Uh, so that's what that first verse is really looking at Christ, the heart of the true human um, who uh, had faith in God's covenant promises um, and, and, and hence uh, the resurrection. Yeah, verse 2, you start talking about uh, the greater Aaron, uh, you know, the eternal priest. Now let me demonstrate the high priestly heart of Christ from Exodus 28. It's pointing to the true anointed Jew who intercedes so God ain't destroying you. We see the Lord give his charge to Aaron to engrave on his holy garments wearing the names of all of God's people. So before the Lord on his heart, he bear them. Likewise in God's holy presence For those he chosen holds as precious Christ always carries our names on his heart In permanent love engraved with its mark He's appeased the judge who's just In his heart beats with thumps of love for us And since he lives without changing His eternal heart of love is our salvation Yeah, I think I was really influenced by uh, William Gatsby's hymn The Love of Christ which I first heard through Indelible Grace, but he talks about uh, William Gadsby in that hymn written in the 1700s, I believe. He talks about uh, his uh, his loving heart is our our, our everlasting surety. Um, if, if I'm not messing up the, the, the lines there, if I'm not messing up his rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gadsby does a great job to just point to that uh, it's the living Christ as eternal priest um, whose heart of love in that Isaiah 49 language that our, our names are, are engraved on his hands and written on his heart. It's because he lives his heart of love. It's because he lives that we stand, uh, that, that we are saved um, now and, and, and on the day of judgment. So I was really trying to show from Exodus 28 that this is really typified and foreshadowed where the Lord tells Aaron 
to engrave all the names of the sons of Israel, speaking of the 12 tribes, you know, um, and then to wear that on his high priestly garments, which is really clearly a picture of Christ, yeah. uh, who has our names engraved on his heart as he stands before the Father mm. um, and represents us in his presence. Hallelujah. That's our, and um, verse, that's our only hope. In verse 3, you're even talking about uh, Christ's satisfaction of infinite wrath. With his Father, before the start of humans, in eternal heart-to-heart communion, but for those who are hardened, ruined, his holy heart would embark, pursue them. On the cross, eternal darkness looming, cause the Father's infinite dark was wounding, way before the spear pierced sharply through him. Why have you forsaken me? He hearkened to him, but he depart from him, cause in the deepest part within, infinite grief to pardon sin, a real shocking thing. His very soul became a guilt offering. Lord, in the very center of your person, in the central part of your being, you bore all my sin and perversion, wore it on your heart when you're bleeding. Cause in your inner self you felt the curse, the equivalence of our hell deserved. Behold, your vast soul in reality swallowed up all our sin like a black hole. Eternal separation on the cross for the perfect restoration of the lost. Your resurrection, just resuscitation. No, your resurrection is our restoration. Yeah, it's it's pretty mysterious, and you know we don't want to go farther than Scripture takes us. But in Mark 15, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus says, and we know that his physical sufferings weren't that which just atoned for our sin, but also his spiritual sufferings. Um, God the Son, who is with the Father for all eternity, you know, being uh, forsaken by his Father so that something happened in the spiritual realm, and in that sense, getting to the heart of Christ more in his deity. Um, And, you know, sometimes the Lord speaks anthropomorphically about his soul or his heart, uh, that Christ experienced in the very center of his person, infinite wrath. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that outer darkness from noon to three, I think, was really a picture of Jesus experiencing the very wrath that, that, that we would have endured in hell um, in, in, this, in a mysterious way, in, 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 a, in a glorious way. The Father poured out the full uh, wrath of his Son, in, in one sense, on his heart. It was the will of the Lord to crush him, and that crushing was not just a physical crushing, but in, in, a, in, a, in a mysterious way, it was a, a spiritual crushing. Mm-hmm. And in seeing in the Psalms, like even this morning in Psalm 55, uh, I think it's really pointing to Christ and his sufferings, but talking about the anguish of his heart. Yeah. Uh, in Psalm 55, 4, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors have fallen upon me. Um, wow. That last line of verse 3 is meant to really summarize the whole album, um, where the, the last line of, of that song is. Uh, Speaking, speaking to Jesus, your resurrection, just resuscitation. No, your resurrection is our restoration. Yeah. So my personal restoration is only uh, something that has happened and is happening because I'm united to the resurrected one. Amen. That's Amen. awesome how you tie that all up. And, and I'm hoping the listeners really enjoyed the clips that I have put into this episode. Um, and because it, it just exemplifies uh, the truth that can be communicated in this forum, I think there's so much uh, promise here and usefulness uh, for future ministry opportunities. It's not going to replace worship music. I mean, it's not really suited for that in the corporate environment per se, but I still think the church has a, has a great opportunity and we thank you so much for your, 
your service and your willingness not only to do this music but also to talk about it today. When this airs, it'll be uh, when the Desiring God conference is going on, so September 27th and 28th over that weekend. And we're going to be trying to get some audio um, from Timothy and myself, just reactions to the different um, sessions and and things like that. It's going to be on C.S. Lewis, so there's kind of an artistic focus there. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention is um, for guys who are thinking or who are already involved in recording um, music, uh, Westminster has a new recording artist scholarship. And uh, so maybe I can either put a link in the comments or something, but um, it's to support guys like Timothy who are using their artistic gifts for purposes of getting the gospel out and training to do that. So we're excited about both of those things coming up. Wow. Interesting opportunity. So uh, how can people find out more? Just uh, click the link. Uh, Could they send an email to admissions or? Yeah, you can email admissions at WTS.edu or the website is WTS.edu. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Timothy, where can people find you online? Yeah, so um, on Facebook, uh, 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 timbrindle.restoration, uh, I believe it is, um, or timothybrindle.restoration mm-hmm. um, on Facebook. And that kind of sometimes I'll share you know, things that I'm learning um, in the Word and share about events, different um, outreach events or um, hip-hop or preaching events. Um, and also, um, lampmode.com, L-A-M-P-M-O-D-E is, uh, the record labels website. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, a good one. And I have a Tumblr page. I need to update it more, <laughs> but that kind of has, um, kind of an archive of different music videos and download songs and sermons and things like that. So. Great. And you can find, uh, you know, videos and things linked to on the lampmode.com website. There's also some stuff on YouTube you can find if you want to see. There's this old school uh, video they filmed. It's awesome. Pretty cool. Those Uh, are cool. (laughs) Yeah. And now we could talk about old school hip hop in two ways. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, so yeah, well, we'll let the, we'll let the geeks, uh, parse that joke. Uh, but you can find uh, Nick available online at newcovpres.com, feedingonchrist.com. A lot of great stuff. I know they've been recording some episodes of East of Eden, so hopefully we'll see some of those very soon. Jared is available online at wts.edu, uh, as uh, well as a number of other places. You can find him on Twitter at Jared Oliphant. Uh, and you can find Reform Forum online at reformedforum.org. We presume you probably already found us. Uh, but you, if you haven't, visit the website and dig into the archives because we have a lot of episodes in the past. They're all available up there. You can download them for free. And we'd love to have your feedback. Uh, tweet us at Reformed Forum or send us an email through the contact form on our website. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions. Thank you so much for being with us for so long. We thank you for supporting us even through our 300th episode. And we look forward to 300 more. We thank you for listening, and we hope you join us again next time on Christ the Center. Jesus, the Messiah, he's all sufficient, y'all, and it don't stop.